Lord, clap your hands, all ye people. Somebody make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Amen. Make a joyful noise. I decided a long time ago that I would serve the Lord with gladness. Amen. One of the reasons why I made that decision is I read in the book of Deuteronomy what the Lord told Israel one time. He said, because you serve me not with gladness and joyfulness of heart, I'm going to let you serve your enemies in thirst and in drought and in war. And he named a list of things. So I figured that wasn't an alternative to me. Amen. I'm just going to go ahead and serve him with gladness. Joyfulness of heart. I don't have a bad story to tell tonight. My God's been good to me. Is that how you feel tonight? Amen. While you remain standing, I just really briefly, this church is uh, uh, most definitely a church that looks beyond its walls, and uh, you are actively involved in uh, missions work. I know your spiritual leadership is because I have been with them on uh, international international front and uh, just real briefly to tell you a couple of things that uh, that has happened recently uh, last September we were invited to uh, preach a Trinitarian conference uh, in the country of Zambia South Africa the bishop that invited us to come over there uh, he was he is the bishop uh, over eight uh, churches in eight different South African nations. So he has a very broad reach in the southern part of that continent. He invited us to come over for one purpose, and that was to teach and preach this oneness message and baptism in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And while there's a lot of parts of the story that's amazing, uh, just suffice it to say that before it was over with, we baptized the bishop and his wife, two of his sons, and then we baptized between Saturday evening, we taught all day Thursday, all day Friday, all day Saturday, and between Saturday evening and Sunday, we baptized over 125 people in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, just, there's so many more parts of the story. I won't take the time to talk about it tonight, but God's doing great things. Uh, we consistently are getting reports from this group uh, about them baptizing pastors and baptizing churches. In fact, just uh, two or three days ago, uh, the bishop uh, texted me and said, I just returned from baptizing three more of my pastors in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And, and so we get it, their, their words to us is it's like a brush fire over here. And it's exciting to know what God is doing. We have things planned. We have two conferences planned in September, one in Zambia and one in Zimbabwe back to back. We have 110 pastors from eight different South African nations that are already registered to meet with us in Zambia and between 50 and 60 pastors that are registered for the conference in uh, Zimbabwe. So we are very excited 
about what's happening in that southern part of the continent of Africa. Uh, just a few days ago, I returned from uh, the nation of India. Uh, we came in contact with a group there that um, I went over and was with them a few days, the end of uh, November, first of, uh, end of October, first of November last year. And I just returned from another trip uh, back to that same area. And uh, we met with 20, between 25 and 30 pastors that have recently embraced this apostolic message. And um, all of them had been baptized in Jesus' name, but all of them had not received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so before uh, the meeting was over with, uh, we spent a lot of hours in just teaching on the importance of the Holy Ghost, the move of the Spirit. Before it was over with, eight of those pastors received the gift of the Holy Ghost for the very first time. Amen. The, the leader of this group, his wife received the Holy Ghost. His 18-year-old son received the Holy Ghost. His brother, who is our driver when we're there, he received the Holy Ghost as well as his brother's wife. And in a three-day period there, before it was all said and done, we had 38 people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I just, this morning when I, uh, when I got up, probably no more than 10 minutes after I was up, I received a text uh, from uh, the leader of that group. And uh, he said, we just finished our services uh, in India. And he, had, he said, we had several more receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in our services today. So God's good. Great things are happening. He's an awesome God. And I'm just happy to be a small part of what the Lord is doing in this world. And I am anticipating great things happening tonight before we leave here. I believe that God can help somebody get just a little bit higher, draw a little bit closer and get what you need from God in this service. I want to direct your attention to one verse of Scripture, John chapter 4 and verse number 35. John 4 and 35. Jesus said, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white, already to harvest. Now, I understand when I read this verse, about 90% of the congregation has already formulated in their mind uh, what I'm going to preach about. And uh, probably 90% of the congregation would be wrong tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. So just bear with us a while. I feel uh, this message in my heart. I feel like God wants to help us. And I'm going to withhold my title for a few minutes uh, but let's see what God can do in this house. One more time, would you clap your hands and give him some praise? God bless you. You can be seated. In today's world, there is uh, what... Uh, what is considered to be news, uh, there's just a very small part, a very minute part of what is considered to be news that is actually real news. Most 
of what is passed off as news in our time is in reality the mainstream media's interpretation of the news. Uh, they're not really reporting to us uh, what's actually happening. They are reporting how they want you to think of what is happening. They want to formulate your opinion. They want to formulate uh, your perspective on the events. And this is what is called controlling the narrative. Uh, that term narrative is a very popular term today. Uh, there's probably not a day that goes by uh, that I don't see that word uh, somewhere in uh, the news media. But they call it controlling uh, the news uh, or controlling the narrative. Uh, years, many, many years ago, prior to uh, our access to information through the Internet, uh, basically all people had to read was a newspaper. And someone made this statement. They said, if you don't read your newspaper, then you are uninformed. And they went on to say, and if you read your newspaper, then you are misinformed. And, and that's about the case because uh, there has been an effort for many, many years. There, the power of the press uh, was discovered many years ago and how that it can shape the opinion of people where the world around them is concerned. Uh, in the realm of the political, you have politicians uh, with the active support of the mainstream media that are doing everything in their power to establish the narrative and then control that narrative. And there's a reason for this. Uh, the reason that they are doing it is because that they have an agenda. And the only way that they can accomplish that agenda is to control the narrative surrounding that agenda. So they have learned that whoever controls the narrative controls the outcome. Amen. That is the world that we currently live in. In fact, uh, some time back uh, earlier last year, I read an article uh, that spoke about how the leadership of a current political party was in disarray because their agenda was in peril. And the reason that their agenda was in peril is because they, as the leadership, had lost control of the narrative of their party. There were voices within their party, very radical voices, that were resisting the leadership, and they were taking control of how that leadership was speaking concerning certain issues of their time and our time. And so, again, they understand that whoever controls the narrative will control the outcome. Now, I could have read tonight, uh, as my text, uh, any one of 116 different verses from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that most of you are very happy I did not do that. Amen. I'm quite happy myself. But uh, I could have used any one of 116 verses to preach this message tonight because of a four-letter statement or four-word statement that Jesus makes 
in this verse. Uh, he first of all said, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you. And so that four-word phrase, I say unto you, is found 116 times in the first four books of the New Testament. Matthew records that Jesus said it 52 times. Mark records that he said it 13 times. Luke records that Jesus made that statement 30 times, and John records it 21 times. So when I read that, I come to realize that when Jesus came, he came to change the narrative of his time. He began in his ministry to challenge the narrative on many subjects of the day because we understand as we read the word of God that ever since the garden of, uh, of Eden that the devil has been doing everything he can to drive the narrative among men. But when Jesus came, he said, I'm going to change the narrative. You have heard it said by them of old time, but I say unto you. Oh, hallelujah. I want to hear what the narrative of heaven is tonight. I hear enough of what the world has to say. I hear enough of what the devil has to say. I hear more than I want to hear about what politicians want to say. But I want to hear what heaven has to say. I want to hear what the narrative of Jesus is because I got a feeling that if I can let him control the narrative of my life, he can control the outcome of my life. That whatever he says, everything is going to be much better in the end because I have approached, I have, I have embraced the narrative that Jesus Christ has declared. Would you give the Lord a praise offering? Jesus in our verse tonight, he says, say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. I believe tonight that oftentimes in our life we create a narrative because we can believe it can happen, but only at a different time than the time that we are living in. But Jesus is saying to his disciples, what you're talking about is the miracle of the harvest, the miracle of the blessing, the miracle of the greatness of what I can do. You're speaking of it in, in the terms of four months in the distance. But I want to change that narrative. I want to bring your attention to the fact that it doesn't have to wait for four months. It doesn't have have to wait till sometime in the distance but lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white all ready to harvest too often church we get caught in the trap of saying it cannot happen right now 
It cannot take place right now. We can't have revival now. We can't see the greatness of God's power right now. But somewhere we've got to work to get to that place in the future. But I'm telling you that heaven's narrative tonight is uh, say not ye that it's going to be four months. Uh, but I'm going to tell you look on the fields. Uh, the blessings are ready. The power is ready. The glory is ready. The miracle, oh glory to God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. I don't want to talk about what can happen next year. I don't want to talk about what can happen next month. I want to talk about what can happen right now. I don't want to talk about what even can happen on this coming Tuesday night. I'm talking about Sunday night at First Pentecostal Church right here on Columbus Street that there's a God that's saying, I will deliver you tonight. I will change your situation tonight. I will turn your life around tonight. Amen. We create this narrative because of the world that we live in. We, are, we create it because we look around us and we begin to think that these are the things uh, that, that, that this is the way it's always been uh, and it's the way it's always going to be. But I pray tonight by the time I'm finished uh, that I can help somebody begin to speak different in their heart and in their life. I find the preacher in Proverbs said this uh, in 18 and 21. He said death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You're either speaking death into your life or you are speaking life into your life. I decided a long time ago I'm not going to get a negative attitude. I'm not going to get a negative spirit. I refuse to embrace unbelief and doubts but my decision that's been made if I'm going to speak anything it's going to be a word of faith it's going to be a word of confidence it's going to be a word saying my God can my God will my God is my God I wish you'd praise him right now hallelujah Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. I'm just gonna preach what I feel tonight. And I'm feeling in the spirit a little bit of spiritual resistance because if there's anything that hell does not want you to do tonight, he does not want you to change the narrative of your life. He's got you locked down where you are. He's got you in, he's got you in prison where you are. He doesn't want you delivered. He doesn't want you set free. I've come tonight to tell you that if you'll change the narrative of your life, if you will take back control of the narrative, and start talking about how great your God is, how powerful your God is. Woo! Hallelujah. You got to start talking it. 
Amen. If you're wondering what I'm preaching tonight, I'm preaching control the narrative. Don't let the devil determine the outcome of your life. Don't let the devil determine the outcome of your walk with God. I'm going to tell you tonight, the enemy would like to block your mind and block your ears to what I'm preaching in this house. But I'm going to preach right through a spirit of resistance. I'm going to reach to your heart. I'm going to reach to your mind. And I'm going to tell you, get up from where you are. Get out of the place that you are in. Praise the Lord. We already heard the verse read tonight where he said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And one of the things that he talked about there was uh, the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Sometimes what we don't realize is that the door to our prison is already unlocked. It's already been, it's already been opened by Jesus Christ. All you gotta do is get up from where you are, shove that door open, and walk out of your bondage. Work out, walk out of your, your place where you're bound. Get out. I said, get out. Get out declaring, I'm coming out of where I am. I'm leaving the place where I've been. Amen. The Bible talks to us about a Shunammite woman that the prophet of God had prophesied to her and said, you're going to have a child. She was barren. She could have no children, but God gave her a promise. And she, she birthed a child. The child began to grow. One day he was out in the field with his father. And after being in the field for a while, possibly a sunstroke overcame him. And his father sent him back to the home where the mother was. And when she got the child that had died as a result of that sunstroke, she went inside and laid that child on the bed of the prophet where her and her husband had set aside a place for the preacher. And I'll just kind of throw this in. Amen. You need to make room for the preacher in your life. You need to make room for your pastor in your life. You don't ever know when you're going to need the help that's going to come as a result of the place that you made for that preacher. Oh, hallelujah. And so she laid that child on that bed and she went outside and she told the servants, I want you to saddle me a donkey. And they looked at her and said, where are you going to go? And she said, I'm going to see that prophet. I'm going to go see the man of God that gave me the promise. I'm going back to the preacher. And they said to her, it is neither new moon nor Sabbath. Amen. They tried to take control of the narrative. They said to her, lady, it's not the right time to go to the preacher. It's not the right hour, not the right day of the month. The moon is not at the right place. It's not time to go. But she said, it shall be well. All I want you to do is get that donkey ready. Sometimes we control the narrative, but other times, other
other people try to control the narrative of our life and, and tell us you can't have it now. It's never going to take place. Amen. It's the wrong time. It's the wrong hour. It's the wrong service. But you ought to get up from where you are and say you're not controlling the narrative. You're not going to control whether I get the victory or not. I'm coming out. It shall be well. Heaven, oh, glory to God. Uh, hallelujah. I feel like some of here, some in here tonight are sitting there saying that all sounds good. No, no, no. I'm not just preaching this because it sounds good. I'm preaching it because it's right. Because every now and then, you got to get up and you got to make some statements. You got to decide this is what I'm going to do. This is the direction I'm going to go. Come on, I can't hear you, First Pentecostal Church. Hallelujah. It was evening time. The disciples came to Jesus and says, listen what they said. They said, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send a multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said, oh, hallelujah. I said, but Jesus said, when the disciples were saying it's the wrong place and it's the wrong time, it's a desert place and the time is now past. It's already past the time that anything can be done for these people where food is concerned. That was their narrative. But Jesus stopped them and said, they need not depart. Give you them to eat. And they said, we don't have but five loaves and two fishes. But Jesus said, that's all I need. I don't need what you think I need. I don't need what you think it takes. What you, the idea that you have about what's necessary is not my idea about what's necessary. Just bring it to me. And before it was over with, 5,000 men beside women and children were fed with five loaves and two fishes. I'm trying to tell somebody that you gotta quit creating a false narrative in your life. You've gotta quit deciding how God's gonna do it and when God's gonna do it and whether or not God's got the wherewithal to do it. I'm telling you, God's got it, hallelujah. I said God's got it. I don't care what you need. If it's healing you need, if it's a miracle you need, if it's deliverance you need. Amen. Sometimes we're guilty of creating a false narrative. And sometimes we allow others to create that narrative. But I'm gonna tell you the worst violator of all is hell itself. That's the worst violator of this whole business. And Jesus identified the agenda of hell in John 10 and 10 when he said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm gonna tell you what hell's agenda is tonight. I'm gonna tell you what the devil's agenda is. 
And I want to tell you what the devil does to accomplish his agenda. He tries to control the narrative surrounding everything. He starts talking to us, telling us it's not going to happen at First Pentecostal Church. It's not going to take place, amen, on this plot of ground. But we've got to rise up from where we are and decide, hell, you're not going to shut down our revival. You're not going to shut down the move of God's spirit among us. Amen. The agenda of hell is to shut down your revival. The agenda of hell is to lock down your ministry. Hell's agenda is to resist you at every turn. Hell's agenda is to stifle your worship services. Hell's agenda is to paralyze your ability to reach your city. Hell's agenda is to shut down your praise. Hell's agenda is to destroy your marriage tonight. Hell's agenda is to destroy your home and your family. Hell's agenda is to wipe out your faith and to cause you to backslide. And I'm going to tell you how he accomplishes that. He takes control of the, uh, the, the narrative of your life and begins to drive that narrative. He starts driving the words of your spirit and the words of your heart. But I'm telling you, you've got to rise up one more time and say to him, not here, not now, not among my family, and not ever. Amen. Hell will use anything and anybody to control the narrative of your life. Hell will use your family. Hell will use your friends. Hell will use your coworkers. Hell will use backsliders. Oh, hallelujah. It doesn't matter just as long as he can control the narrative of your life. I am convinced more than ever tonight that if we could get the church at large to stop listening to hell and start listening to the pulpit, the potential to change the outcome will increase exponentially because when you come to church, you don't come to hear hell's agenda. You don't come to hear hell's narrative. When you get here, you're gonna hear heaven's narrative. When the preacher preaches, you're going to hear God's narrative for your life. Amen. I'm preaching to somebody here tonight. Amen. Quit listening to hell. I said quit listening to hell. Quit listening to people around you. Quit letting your backslidden family to drive the narrative of your life and your thinking about the church. Preach on with the best. Hallelujah. Huh? Quit letting people that never live for God a day in their life tell you how to live for God. Oh, hallelujah. Quit letting your cigar smoking, your, 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 your wine drinking family and friends, don't let them drive that narrative. 
Don't let them try to tell you how to live for God. Rise up, rise up. Look them in the face and make a decision. This is what I'm going to do. I, I just It just hit me just a, a night or two ago uh, during the conference services. It hit me that in Acts chapter 2, the Bible said when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place when suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost but then the Bible goes down and it says then Peter standing up with the 11. You see, you might get the Holy Ghost sitting down because the scripture does tell us that he made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But there comes a time you gotta stand up. There comes a time you gotta talk about what God's done for you. There's a time. Come on, hallelujah. There comes a time you gotta stand up in the face of unbelief. You gotta stand up in the face of doubt. You gotta stand up in the ideas that everybody else is trying to project upon your life and say, this is that. This is that. This is that. That was spoken by the prophet Joel. Praise the Lord. Woo, hallelujah. Three postures in the book of Ephesians that Paul writes about, and that's sitting, amen, walking and standing. But it starts with sitting. And when you get this, you didn't get it because you were walking, and you didn't get it because you were standing, but you got it because you were sitting in a heavenly place, and the Holy Ghost has poured out upon your life. But there comes a point when you gotta stand up and let hell know you're not dragging me down. You're not destroying my walk with God. You gotta sometime tell family, amen. I'm not interested in what you had to say. I'm not interested in the narrative that you got. Amen. Because if you let hell drive the narrative, it will. Amen. And hell will control the outcome of your life if you let it drive the narrative of your life. Oh, glory to God. I think it's time for somebody in this house tonight to take back the narrative. I said take back the narrative. You know what we need to do? We need to set the leadership of hell in disarray tonight because all of a sudden the agenda is in peril that they had set out for your life. Oh, glory to God. The devil's been driving you to backslide. He's been driving you. He's been driving you in the direction of giving up hope, of saying what's the use, throwing in the towel, saying it's no more hope. And you need to turn this thing around tonight and say to hell, I'm tired of this. I'm fed up with this. It's over with. Tonight, Tonight. Amen. When I was a, a young lad, just a, just a child, I, I just this this story came back to me just recently, or this event, this experience I had. But I remember as a child, we lived in a home next door with some neighbors that had a little puppy dog. 
and they had a duck. That's quite a combination. But anyway, every single day you could just count on it. All of a sudden you'd hear this quack, 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 and you'd hear this amen, barking of this little old small puppy dog. And I'd go to the window and look out, and that puppy dog would be chasing that, that duck all over the yard. That duck would be waddling, trying to get out of his reach, and he'd just keep right on quacking, and the dog would keep on barking. But I was standing at the window one day, Bishop, and I saw something. I saw one day that that duck got tired of it, and it threw its feet in the ground, and it wheeled around, and it started running after that puppy dog. And that puppy dog didn't even know what to do. He just kind of done a few cartwheels and started stumbling around and running for his life. Some of y'all here tonight, you need to turn around and look at hell and say, you chased me long enough. You pursued me long enough. You went after me long enough. Come on, come on, hallelujah. I'm trying to tell somebody tonight, you need to put the, you need to put the leadership in hell in disarray. Hell needs to be saying, what are we gonna do now? What are we gonna do? They're changing their language. They're changing their words. They're changing their narrative. What are we gonna do with them? Take it back, I said take it back. Somebody said, take it back. Come on, somebody say, take it back. Come on, somebody shout, take it back. Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. When hell says you don't have what it takes, you need to say back to hell, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When hell says I put too many obstacles in your way and you're never gonna make it, you need to look at hell and say, by my God, I will run through your troop and by my God, I will leap over your wall. Woo, ain't nothing standing in my way. Put it in my path, devil, but you better put a big one there because ain't nothing stopping me. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, musicians, I'm almost finished. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. When the devil says to you, I've developed a weapon that you're never going to overcome, you need to say back to hell, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue, every tongue, every narrative that rises up against me Hallelujah. When hell says, amen, everything's against you and you're not gonna survive it. You need to say of God before me, who, who, what does it matter what's against me? If <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh Lord, have mercy. I would have thought already somebody would have been down here in the front stomping on the devil. I would have thought somebody would have already been down here saying I've had enough. It ain't gonna happen no more, this is it. Your, 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 your narrative is over in my life. Hallelujah. When hell says you ain't gonna make it, when hell says you failed, you didn't look back at hell and say rejoice. 
not against me. Oh, my enemy, when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. says you don't have a reason to praise him you need to say I'm going to praise him anyhow while I live I will praise the Lord I'm going to sing praises unto my God while I have any being I'm going to praise him in the sanctuary I'm going to praise him in the firmament of his power I'm going to praise him for his mighty acts I'm going to praise I don't want no tearjerker. I don't want no funeral dirge. I want one of them foot stomping, hand clapping. I want somebody to say, it's all over with tonight, devil. You drove the narrative long enough. You've controlled my narrative long enough. I've come to shout on the grave of my enemy. I says it's all over you ought to say to him oh no I'm just getting started I'm just getting started oh yeah you ain't seen nothing yet devil you ain't seen nothing yet you just wait till I get a chance to praise you just wait till I get a chance to worship <laughs> 